one of the unique things about the Word of God is you can't exhaust it. It's a living, it's a living, living book. And when you go through dis- different seasons in life, you could have read a particular passage a hundred times prior, but because of this season you find yourself in, the Holy Spirit will hit you with that verse in a complete different uh, light, and you'll gain nourishment, encouragement from it. And that's uh, one of the proofs that it is a living book. It's quick. Uh, that's the old English for alive and uh, uh, living book. And so uh, don't, don't think because you know some verses of Scripture or you shared verses of Scripture with other people during their times of need uh, that it won't help you in your time of need in the same situation. And I think I've told you about a pastor, and as a pastor, you're always trying to encourage people, and you're trying to help people, and and he was dealing with uh, uh, people through loss of loved ones, and of course, he knew all the verses, and uh, he lost his spouse, and he was just having a hard time of it, so he called a pastor friend, and the pastor friend said, Uh, what you need to do is you need to read those verses. And he began to give him the same verses, this pastor. And he said, he said, preacher, he said, I I know those verses. I share those verses with my people. And he says, yes, I know that. But you've never read them having been the one that was going through the loss. And so that preacher, when he got off the phone, he, he thanked him for the advice and he went over there and began to read those scriptures. Now, he knew them. He knew where they were, were. They had them marked in the Bible. But he noticed that this time they took on a different meaning. And there was comfort there uh, that he had never seen before. And that's how the Bible works. It's very unique. So we've been here, Matthew chapter 26. And boy, we've seen it and we've, we've, we've taught it. And, but there's, there's more here. Uh, we cannot exhaust it. And I would like to read uh, starting in verse 36. Now we know this is the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is after the Lord's Supper. So we're familiar with this passage. And here we go. He says in verse 36, Then cometh Jesus with him unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, You sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that'll be James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, the three here that he took with him, which is the inner circle, he says, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. 
Now he's teaching you something that a lot of times when you go to pray, your flesh is not going to feel like it. <laughs> it's going to fight you. And so don't let that throw you. <laughs> As you say, man, I try to pray, but there's just something inside of me around. I get tired, I get sleepy, I get distracted. That's your flesh. That's what that is. So he came and found them asleep again. He left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And as I said when I taught this, there is a little passage of time between verse 45 and verse 46. He says, Rise. Let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a great multitude, with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? And then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Now let us pray and ask God to speak to us tonight in the preaching of the Word of God. Our gracious Father, we come to you. And Lord, we're winding our Lord's Day down and Lord, we, we need something to go on this week. Uh, we need a little help, and we need a little uh, water from the well of Bethlehem. And Lord, uh, uh, we, we need that living water, and, and you said that uh, you're the living water. And help us this week, and, uh, and, and the things that we do keep us safe. But Lord, let us understand some scripture tonight to help us get perspective on this thing called prayer. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now the Bible, he commands us to pray without ceasing. So I need to lay some groundwork. I'm not trying to tell you that you just need to pray one time a year, two times a year, three times a year, and then you're done. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. That means we're to always be in a state of prayer. And I've explained this on a lot of times how I do it is uh, I'll get up first thing in the morning and then I'll enter into prayer mode with the Lord and I'll begin to pray and I'll confess my sins. I stop by at Calvary uh, every day to confess my sins and to put them under the blood of, of Christ because I'm going to need the power in Christ and the power that's in that blood uh, to get me through the day. And then I'm going to need the Word of God uh, down in my heart. And, and so be, then we'll get into, I'll get into another prayer session around 12, 1, sometimes 2, sometimes at 3. And then uh, I'll try to get into a third prayer session. But throughout that day, I am in that state of prayer. Pray without ceasing. So as prayer requests or things to pray about come to my mind, uh, I will be asking God to work and to intercede. So we're not talking about this. We're not talking about uh, a new and improved way uh, not to be in a constant state of prayer. 
The Bible also says that in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so the question comes up, how do you know when you've prayed enough? And so this begs the question, can we pray too much? No. No, the answer is no. But if you, like me, have went to God for a specific request, and a lot of times if I'm going to do any fasting, I will have a central request I will have one thing that I'm going to the Lord for, and I'm willing to chastise my soul through fasting. That's what the Bible says is happening. You're humbling yourself before the Lord, and you're going to discipline the flesh because it's your greatest enemy. And have that central request. And so you say, how many times uh, would I pray? There's been some prayer requests I've prayed for years, and God has not answered yet. Uh, There's been other requests that I've prayed and God has answered. Maybe not the answer that I want, but He has answered. So how can I know when I've prayed enough about a particular situation? And, And with me, I guess why this had such an impact on me as I began to look at this, uh, and I wasn't the original uh, inspiration. I wish that I could tell you that I was, but it, it helped me because there's a truth in the Bible that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And even as a pastor, I still must get some preaching. And I got news for you. I download a lot of preaching uh, from a sermon's audio and I listen to different preachers for inspiration and to get fed. But there is nothing like being in a camp meeting or in a meeting live in person so you can feel the heat and so uh, generally when I enter into uh, something as far as I'm dealing with a situation uh, in life or a situation in the church or we got to make a decision how would I know if I've prayed enough that's my context on how to know when you've prayed enough and here in our text Christ He beseeches the Father three times. If you're thinking as a Bible student, you'll remember that the Apostle Paul besought the Lord three times. I put four fingers up, but it's because I'm older. That's probably why older people, they'll count like that. I I was always like, why can't you just do that? Oh, I know why now. Things don't work as well as they used to. (laughs) Three. That ain't three, that's number four. (laughs) Three times. The Apostle Paul prayed three times for God to remove this thorn. And the Lord says, I'm not going to do it. It was a messenger of Satan come to buffet him, and it was to keep him humble. And so you say, well, how do I know if I've prayed enough? I believe the answer to this question might not be in the number of times to pray. So you're not going to get a numerical number out of me tonight because the Scriptures does not give you a numerical number. But I do believe that we find three things here that the text bears out that Christ did or was able to handle, and it is a sure indicator 
that he had prayed enough. Jesus being our great example. There is no better example to live the Christian life than the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think of that every time, and I'm going to run a rabbit here, but I have to because it's been on my mind this week. And you, you hear Christians say, oh, I got me another tattoo for Jesus. Look at this tattoo here. And Oh, I got another nose piercing here. And I've pierced my ears three times on the left side. All for Jesus. And I'm thinking, I don't ever remember Jesus having done that. Well... And so I'm wondering, where did you get that pattern in the Word of God? When the Bible says, don't do it because the heathen do it. And the heathen mark themselves and tattoo themselves for the dead. They have all types of pagan practices. And so when someone comes up to me and says, Oh, by the way, I just got me another tattoo for Jesus. And I got me a tattoo here. And Jesus is Lord. It's all over my back. And I got a flower for my granny. And I'm thinking... You know, I know Christ didn't do that. I'm, I, go, I begin to go into my mind like maybe I've missed something. Maybe the Apostle Paul was a hell's angels before he got saved or something, and I've totally missed it. He wasn't. <laughs> it was a Pharisee, and they weren't tattooed up. Now, if you got tattoos, you got saved later in life, I got that, uh, and I understand that. But I'm talking about Christians being saved, supposedly discipled. And oh, I'm going to identify as a follower of Jesus. Jesus is my example. Jesus didn't have tattoos. He didn't have his nose pierced and he didn't have gauges in his ears. And he wasn't dressed in black. I figured I'd throw that in there free. Because I was on our example of Christ. And the Apostle Paul, he said, You be a followers of me as I am of Christ. So the Apostle Paul was following Christ. And the Apostle Paul said, Look, the things that you see me do, there's that shadow ministry. And the things that you've heard me say and teach, and the things that you've been taught, you do them. And so these men were examples, but Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. And I see three things here that happened this night in this portion of Scripture that could help us understand when we've prayed enough. And the first one is, you've prayed enough when you will do the will of the Father. That's what Christ is praying. Look at what he prays the first time there in verse 39. He says, he says, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, that was his request. He's saying, I want to pass on this cup that you want me to drink. God had filled his cup of wrath up and he was going to make Jesus, the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh, drink that thing to take our punishment out on the cross. And God was going to turn his back on his own son. And Christ is saying, if it's possible, let this pass from me. But then he says, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And so even in that first prayer, his request he made specific, but he says, he ends it, not my will, but thine be done. And then we see him again. 
In verse 42, the second time. Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away. Uh-oh, it's a little different. And he says, except I drink it, thy will be done. He's changing the prayer just a little bit. And then again, the third time, in verse 44, saying the same words that he had said the second time. And those words were, if it, if it won't, if it's not going to pass, except I drink it, then thy will be done. And the Lord works like this. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And God wants us to exercise faith. And many times, and I've struggled with this, and I guess this is why this had such a deep impact on me, I've struggled to know what the will of God is for the next step or the direction uh, to lead the church. And, and so you're praying and you're on your face to the Lord and you say, Lord, what is it? Reveal your will. Let's just let me know. Tell me. Make it clear to me. And a lot of times that's not how the Lord works. The Lord's going to say, mm -mm. no, will you do my will? You see, we always want to turn the tables on God. We're, we're, we're kind of like those people from Missouri. You know, I don't believe it. You gotta, I got to see it to believe it, you know. Uh, they want to see it before they're going to believe it. Well, that's not faith. That's something else, uh, but it's not faith. And God says, no, you're going to have to have faith in me and trust me. And will you agree to do my will? And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, Lord, if it be possible, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, thy will be done. And guess what? There was no other way. Christ ended up dying on the cross, meaning that there was no other way for God to redeem mankind but for Jesus Christ to die on the cross. There was no other way. And so Jesus agreed. He says, not my will. I'm going to do your will. And many times when we agree to do God's will, he'll lift the bowl over off of his will and reveal it to you but not until you agree to do it your heart is going to have to be right you say preacher what are you doing and what are you saying well you've prayed enough when you're willing to do the will of God no matter what it is it's one of the ways to tell that you've prayed enough. Lord, I don't care how it works out. As long as it works out to your glory and honor, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to remain faithful. I'm going to remain with my integrity like Job did, no matter what's going on, and have the heart that says, Lord, though you slay me, yet will I serve you. And then God said, mm -hmm, there we go. That's how you know when you've prayed enough. But there's another way to tell. And I like things that happen in threes because if something happens the first time, it could be an accident. If it happens the second time, it could be a coincidence. But by the time it happens the third time, it's a pattern. And you can mark her down. And I like looking for patterns and seeing patterns. And I see that pattern. So the second point, 
You've prayed enough when you can handle the disappointment from the brethren. That's what Christ is dealing with here. He comes back from praying an hour the first time. And Peter, James, and John are sound asleep. And Peter was the one that was so vocal and said, Lord, I'm going all the way to the cross with you. If someone lays a finger on you, I'll take them out. And here he is. He couldn't watch an hour. Disappointing. Very disappointing. You know, I've heard words similar to that in my years here. Preacher, we're with you 100%. We're behind you. We'll protect you. We got you back. <laughs> Not here tonight. <laughs> what is that? <clears throat> well, people are going to let you down. Christians will let you down. Christians will fall out of the race. Some of them do. Some of them get, um, they trip, they fall, they fall out of the race. And I hate to say this, but some Christians, they just won't finish the race that God has for them to do. Because they're going to fall out because of a sin. And they're going to be a disappointment. Just like Peter, James, and John here, they keep falling asleep. They couldn't watch and pray one hour. And this is the cream of the crop. Peter, James, and John were part of God's inner circle. The... We're seeing in the book of Acts, God working through Peter in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. He was a, a, one of the pillars in the early church. And I'm not taking nothing from him. I don't want you to think that I think uh, uh, badly about the apostle Peter. I told you how I felt about him last Sunday night. He'll be leading the charge when Christ comes back on that white horse. And I promise you, the Lord will let him swing a sword. And he'll say, now, Peter, now you can swing the sword. Now's the time to go get them, boy. And Peter, in a glorified body, and on a heavenly stallion, white horse, that you're not going to be able to kill, he's going to wade right in there. You say, well, I don't think it happens like that. I thought Jesus does all the slaying with the sword that comes out of his mouth. Well, you tell it the way you want to, and I'll tell it the way I want to. I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to hold him back. I'm not trying to paint Peter, the apostle Peter, or James, or John in a bad light. These men are at a whole nother level, and I'm telling you, anybody can be a disappointment. And so what I'm saying, you've prayed enough when the disappointment from the brethren does not stop you from doing the will of God. You know, people, you've heard it and I've heard it. Someone falls out. Someone gets hurt. Someone falls into sin. And you'll hear people say, well, if it's not worth it for them, I'm out of here. And, and if they, they can't do it, I can't do it. And, and they fall out and they let disappointment turn into discouragement in them and it turns into despair and they're gone. And you say, what's wrong with it? They hadn't prayed enough. <laughs> I'll tell you, you hadn't prayed enough. You know you've prayed enough when the disappointment from the brethren is not going to stop you from serving God. But then the last point, and I'm not going to be long tonight. You know you've prayed enough when you can deal 
with the devil. Verse 50. What does Jesus tell Judas? Now, think with me. Judas at this moment in time is Satan incarnate. Satan had entered and possessed the body of Judas. He is under 100% control of Lucifer himself. And so the Lord said, Friend, friend, well, wherefore art thou come? Jesus, he calls Judas friend. This was Satan. Judas, and I've wanted to preach this message, just never had, titled, Kissing the Doors of Heaven and Still Going to Hell. Do you understand that Jesus is the door? And that Judas walks up and kissed Christ, the door, on the cheek and still died and went to a devil's hell. You're talking about being close and almost entering in and failing but he's full of the devil. The devil himself walking up to kiss Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, friend, wherefore art thou come? As if to say, are you here for the prayer meeting? We've been praying. Did, did, you, come, did you bring some visitors with you? I'm not saying he said all that. But that was the attitude in which Christ approached Judas. Friend, 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 friend. The Bible does say this. He says, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. You know, most Christians today, they don't think the devil is real. I think it's somewhere around 62 to 68 percent. Don't believe that Satan is real. I'm talking Christians now. I'm not talking about the lost world. Um, some Christians don't think the devil's that bad. You know, it's, he's okay. Really. And most Christians can't handle it when Satan, the angel of light, comes up to them in church and kisses them and betrays them, church trouble, at a prayer meeting. Yeah, I kind of got on that a little bit this morning about people getting hurt and, and saying, oh, I got hurt by Christians and I hate churches and I won't attend churches no more. I got news for you. You probably run head on right into a devil is what you probably ran into. And yep, they'll walk right up to you, smile and kiss you just like Judas did here and stab you right in the back you got to be able to deal with that thing. I'm not saying make friends with the devil. That's not what the Lord's doing here. But this did not take the Lord by surprise. And when the devil shows up to disrupt the meeting, this was a church split. You do understand that, don't you? Judas was one of the members of the church, and he got him a coalition up, come back in, and he scattered him. Did he not scatter them? Is that not the first church? Church split right there. Oh, preacher, I've never seen that. Well, just put the pieces together. You know you've prayed enough 
when you can deal with the devil when he shows up for a prayer meeting to start some trouble. Too many people fall out because somebody looks at them the wrong way or something happens and, and it is like, oh, I don't like that. I'm out of here. You've not prayed enough. Not prayed enough. Well, I'm disappointed in so-and-so and uh, maybe you're disappointed in pastor or something like that. I'm not saying, nobody is. Nobody said, I, I, don't, I, I don't know that. I'm just doing hypotheticals here in closing. And it's going to get you out of the race. Well, then you've not prayed enough. And if you're not willing to do the will of the Father, no matter what it is, and God will never have you do something that goes against this book. It's a shame i got to clarify that. But people, oh, well, God told me to go down to that bar. No, He didn't. God told me to lay out a church. No, He didn't. Well, God told me. No, He didn't. God will never tell you to do something that is contrary to Scripture. Well, God told me to get a tattoo. No, He didn't. That was that other God that told you that. The one that you don't want to recognize and you can't deal with because you don't think he's real. You know, I know people that believe that the devil can't get into a church. That once they get inside the four walls of the church building, that the devil, he can't ever get in there. And I just, I just kind of laugh because that's right where he's at. And I'm not saying that somebody's the devil. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you, be vigilant, be sober, <laughs> okay? Because he, he come in. There, there ain't nothing magical about the walls of this church. We watch too much TV. And we think there's a magic thing. on the that, that, No, there ain't. <laughs> and when we leave here, the holiness is gone. Because the Holy Spirit of God is in us that are believers. And when we leave tonight, the lights are going to be turned off. And it's going to fill up with darkness. And evil spirits, they'll come in and monitor and come through and move off. I hope not, but they can. People think, oh no, devils can't get, yes, they can. Yes, they can. And you gotta be able to deal with the devil when he shows up. You can't let the disappointment of the brethren knock you out of the race or to stop you from doing the will of God. And you need to be willing to do the will of God, even when it goes against your will. As Christ is saying, let this cup pass, but not my will. That's what I want, but thy will. And I will submit myself to your will. Now, these are three things that I think that you can use to help you gauge whether you've prayed enough about a particular thing or a problem. Are you willing to do the will of God no matter what it is, even if it's against what you're praying for? You might not have an answer yet because you've not agreed to do God's will. Say, Lord, not my will, thine be, be done. I don't care how it works out. And two, can you handle the disappointment of the brethren? And three, can you deal with the devil? Oh, preacher, well, then you've not prayed enough. You need to keep praying.
Let's stand. Close in a word of prayer tonight.